just organically yeah. go Let's into... Talk about uh, virtue, uh, morality... So the name of this voice, voice memo is New India Cuisine. Why is it called that? Uh, I don't even think that place is open anymore. What? Why is it called that? This little place over here is really good. Oh, so uh, maybe they just chairs. They have like cushions or stuff. Oh, oh that's cool. sweet. Yeah, they close stuff. It's a show. Oh, it's well. The first restaurant I ever had in Austin. Rest in peace, New India cuisine. Yeah. Well, so what, wait, what are we talking about again? Uh, we are talking about morality. virtue, morality. What's the definition of virtue? Let's virtue is a. A desired quality of something. So if something is virtuous, it uh, it performs its its job. It uh, it's kind of like so. Wait, before before we get into anything, I think we should all introduce ourselves just so it could be standalone. So if you wanted to, oh howdy, I'm uh, Ron Johnson, <laughs> <laughs> professional interviewer. That's to be confused with John Ronson. Yeah, uh, Uncle. No, I'm Zachary Harris. <laughs> Uh, and I'm uh, Nick Kosick. And I'm Jackie. Gavin. <laughs> I didn't know your last name. Mm-hmm. Gavin. G A V I N. Gavin. What's the last four digits of your, your social? Um, <laughs> Alright, so. Uh, virtue. 2173. And at some point we'll tackle a Jaden Smith quote. Yeah. Yeah, Jaden Smith segment. Alright, well, it's a. Uh... So you were saying that. Virtue. If someone is virtuous, they have some like level of truth to their actions, or they have right. like a. Um, I don't know. The, it's just. Well, I've always thought of it as like that quote where you you're. What are you doing? Nobody else is watching. Are you doing the right thing? Mm-hmm. I've, I've always thought of that as being virtuous. Is like being. I think self righteous is not the the word. No, it's, it's like, like a narcissistic a, turn to it, but. It's almost like a, a higher morality. Yeah, holding yourself to a standard. Yeah. I, uh, to a moral standard. I, I think I have seen, and this is kind of like, this is what I've always thought. I mean, even when I was younger, and this is probably why, one of the reasons why I got into psychology, is whenever anyone ever said that, I remember being a kid and seeing that sign, like, you know, what are you doing when no one's watching, blah, 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 blah. I always thought, well, you want me to just do what you want everyone else to do. So you want me to just follow the status quo of the social norm. And that's what you're expecting me to be that is moral. Because you have different cultures that have different standards of morality. Sure. So it's like, well, we could argue what does moral mean or what does it mean to be virtuous. But you could say virtue, vir- being virtuous is someone who has high morals and high standards of morals. And morality is just... It just, I guess it depends on, for me at least, the way I would describe it is it depends on your culture and sure. how you socialize and that yeah. kind of thing. Or even your religion, too. Yeah. That's still your culture. Religion yeah. is tied into the culture. I'd go further and say that virtue is almost like the unthinking, just good nature. Mm. It's, it's, you think of like, like a first reaction. Like a crusader or, yeah. or like a, the Inquisition. Like they are driven by a, like a divine cause. Mm. There's no question on, uh, like the morality of it is just it's absolute well, the, but I mean thinking of like the crusades looking back now yeah they thought they some, were being moral they were thought that they were being moral but right. they were actually slashing and burning so I mean, I mean how yeah. how I mean I feel like that kind of bleeds into self-righteousness like how virtuous can you be before it becomes a self-righteous yeah before you're just telling yourself you're right and you're not questioning your actions like the the fine line between doing it for others and doing it for yourself. For yourself. Yeah. Well, the thing that comes up in my mind is going back to like weightlifting training. There's a point where you have to stop questioning your movement and you just have to rely on your training and do the movement. There's a point where it gets heavy enough that if you're worried about your form or if you're worried about if you're doing the right thing, mm. then you're doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you you have to stop questioning it. Kind of like a, letting yourself go into kind of like that flow state, letting it become autonomous and just moving. Yeah. But then I guess with that, so then I guess that would be, you could say that it's like a sign of being virtuous or virtuosity, right? Right. Well, but with so that. You could build in uh, a kind of mindfulness practice of when you question your sure. actions and when not to. 
But I think that has a lot to do with whatever your morals are, you know, deep-seated in. And if your morals are not good, like if your training is not good, then your weightlifting is not going to be good. And it doesn't matter how much you practice, if you're practicing poorly, then you're never mm. going to lift correctly. That's right. So mm. it's like one stacks on the other, right? Like if you don't have a good foundation, then you're not going to have a good point to the pyramid. But at the same time, if you put your foundation on something that's not stable, then it doesn't matter how stable your pyramid is top to bottom kind of a thing yeah well I'm also not sure you can establish what is like an absolute like um on morals but you can't say like these are the right morals to have and then build off of that just like you can't say this is the perfect way to train and build off that yeah. there's a point of, of jumping off hmm. where you have to commit to something that could be wrong because you each can't know every outcome no. And you can't control every variable either. That's another big issue that people get whenever they set goals for themselves. Is they want to do they want to do, you know, Z when you have to go through A B C all the way through those steps to get there, you know. Just like with training, if you were saying like um um what was it? What is his name? That one weightlifter. He's a Russian dude, uh not Kokov, but the other guy. Who's, uh, like there's another Russian weightlifter besides yeah Kokovic. right <laughs> believe it or not no this guy is like a su- like a super heavyweight kind of a dude but he said um, he said that um, weightlifting and he kind of tied this to all tasks but he said weightlifting in particular it should be like sex without penetration and what he meant by that was you should attempt to do all the different aspects of things and you should do all the different parts of things without trying to fully do it all at once so it's like you should think about like a fireworks show instead of trying to be the grand finale. Just worry about lighting that one rocket at a time. So explain that in practice. Is it something? So like you can't, um, for example, you can't. So with what like weightlifting, right? Mm-hmm. This is because this is what he's he said in the context of weightlifting. So like in weightlifting, you can't, you can't be building muscle. You can't be building strength, and you can't be working on your technique and your speed all in the same training session. Like it's just. You won't have enough energy, you won't have enough time, it's a moot point, you can't do all of it all at once. So what he was saying is, instead of trying to do the whole shebang, which would be like a competition, right. which would be like, I guess you could you attribute that to like the sex part of the analogy. The penetration part. The pen- yeah, I guess. He said, instead, for this set of weeks, I'm going to try to get stronger. For this set of weeks, I'm going to try to get faster and work on my technique. For these next set of weeks, um, you know, coming out of the competition or whatever, I'm going to start working on my, my hypertrophy and work on my muscle building again. So everything was <laughs> Well, not I wouldn't say CrossFit. That's just that's just training in general. That's not that's not CrossFit per se. But uh, and I think everything should be looked at like that way. You know, like it is, like I was saying from the ground up. I don't yeah. know. Maybe maybe I'm just maybe I'm just ranting. Got some dark barking dogs in the background. Some darkened darkened dogs. Bogs. Yeah. What do you think, Jackie? Well, I think it's. I mean, going back to like your moral compass, it does help to what am I trying to say I mean you have to also think of it in like a religious aspect dude this is like good lord you came an explosion Uh, the huge coffee thermos yeah anyways but yeah like going back to your your moral compass just looking at it in a religious aspect like I think especially across different cultures you know there's different things that you can do just like what you're saying in regards to weightlifting yeah there's different things that you can do um throughout the day that you know like you don't necessarily have to reach um you know full enlightenment all within the span of Mm. like one day but you can yeah but you can work on it you can you can pray you can meditate you can you know go to church and you can you know do your ceremonies and you know, eventually you will get there, but, I mean, it's just one of those things where even now, you know, someone who does have a, a high moral compass or a high moral code, they probably still make mistakes because they're human, you know, everyone yeah. makes mistakes, um, and I mean, it's just part of man to have that innate light and dark within each other, or within ourselves, um, and I think it's difficult for one man to be constantly on the high road the entire time, their entire life. Well, it seems like the necessary piece then is self-reflection. Totally. Is some kind of yes. uh, meditation or... Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure meditation in the traditional sense is the best 
term because meditation in the traditional sense is not thinking right uh, clearing this, your mind yeah this is almost more like a like tr- traditional christian prayer where you're spending like time alone with yourself uh yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of like remove yourself from those quick dopamine hits and what what i always liked about like the traditional form of meditation is um and and this is one of the things that one of my my mentors in college used to say all the time is she would say the reason why that works so well is because if you spend an exorbitant amount of time trying to fight thoughts from happening all the thoughts that you need to confront are going to pop up and you're going to find that it's impossible to not think about anything right and right. so instead of just you're not equipped with, with letting them just pass exactly by. exactly so in the in the the process of trying to ignore them and trying to Push past them. You're gonna bring them all up. So this is this is only tangential. But I, I was thinking about this. Uh, somebody, I posted some like some religion memes on Instagram. Somebody reached out to me, invited me to their church, huh. mm. and one way or another, they got me in touch with their pastor. And so I thought it'd be interesting to talk about uh, theology with, with this guy. Yeah. So I'm gonna have coffee with him. It'd be cool to have him on the show. It'd be cool to have him on there. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down, but one of their tenets is, it's almost like a Santa Claus thing. It's like, you do good because there's somebody watching. I mean, they, they don't go so far. You don't only go so far. I mean, you have to, you have to set your own moral code. You can do, you can do what everyone else tells you to do. That's totally fine. I mean, there are a lot of people that do that. Um, do it based off of what the religion tells them to do, what their pastor tells them to do, or even what their parents tell them to do. Right, but it only gets so far. It only gets you so far. I mean, when you are, you know, in that sticky situation and you're by yourself or even in the middle of your life and you have a big decision that you need to make, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to have your own personal, like, direction or code that you can stick with. When it always comes back down to, to you. Yeah. And that's kind of a stoic thing, is that they they had this idea of God. Uh, they, they kind of threw out the, the old philosophy of, like, building up to it, and they just established, like, okay, God is your intellect, your ability to think. Mm-hmm. That's God. So it kind of brings new life to, to these scriptures where you can say, when you're praying to God, you are communing with yourself. You're, you're thinking, yeah. and you're... Uh, which I think it... It really cheapens the idea of, of, of God when you imagine him as a, a, a person outside of you just looking at your shit. Well, and it kind of inflates your ego a bit, too, when you think of it that way. Because if you yeah. think, oh, well, my inner self is God, so everything that I do can automatically be righteous mm. and virtuous. No, I think it, it, it puts the onus, the kind of responsibility on to the individual. It does. Like it, it doesn't outsource, like, I can be a bad person... So long as uh, dad forgives me. You know, I think it's a. Uh, it just kind of cheapens the idea. That, that's the first thing that came up. Because he gave me a page to read about their, their values. Mm-hmm. And it was just all like, we do this for this deity or this. It just seems yeah. uh, kind of cheap. Well, and I mean, in that regard, too, it's, it's kind of like. So I, I had a. In high school, a friend of mine's aunt or whatever, and we were talking about. Um, I remember we were arguing, she was Catholic, and I remember we were arguing about, you know, religion and all that stuff. Back back in the day when I didn't, I don't know anything, and I thought I did know something, kind mm-hmm. of a deal, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember one of her answers to it was, well, if we didn't go to church, then how would I know what I was supposed to, what I should be doing? Like, who would tell me what to do if I didn't go to church? Mm-hmm. Who would tell me how to live my life? Who would tell me who to pray to? Who would I, you know, like, right. yeah, that, that was like... It I mean, would, it's not a bad point, though. Yeah, and that was pretty much what she was saying, without, without literally verbatim saying that mm-hmm. more or less she was like well then what would I do when times get hard what do I do I what? you know and kind of like removing herself from trying to discover herself and right. just kind of right. well just like what Zach was saying it takes the responsibility off of you and puts it onto God well now onto here like an extra thing I kind of differ here because I, I do think it's it's useful for people to like if I want to make a call I'm not going to build a cell phone I'm going to buy a cell phone. Sure. When I break my arm, I'm going to go to a doctor or any pharmacist and have them sort me out. So when I reach like a moral dilemma in my life, 
am I going to build an entire philosophical framework? You know, I might just address the, the church yeah. as, as a, like a resource for that. Uh, I, I think the church has failed a little bit in that regard. It's, it's you know, they've, they've kind of gotten rid of the philosophy aspect. Mm-hmm. I think it's become like a real literal reading. But, some um, churches have. Some, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't want to make a blanket statement there. But I think I think it could be useful in that regard. I think so. And I think it's important to realize that everyone is different and everyone will respond to um, I guess God in a different way. And I mean for some people, you know, having a conversation with themselves and you know, taking advice from their their inner God works for them. Sometimes, you know, it just it's easier to take the responsibility off your own shoulders and then just leave it in the hands of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it really does depend on the person and what their what their inner morality is, if they even have one, or if they rely solely on um, what they've been told, what they grew up with. Because yeah. a lot of times too, you'll have people who grow up in the church not to not to like continue bashing Christianity I'm, I'm not religious at all just to put that in context but you know some people who grow up with that that's all they know and then that's they just continue to live their life like that and there's nothing wrong with that well I think by and large it's best that we don't have a lot of people saying like should I murder should I adulter and like yeah. weighing the values of it yeah totally uh, but the people who, who feel compelled to absolutely should uh, try and try and figure out why they value what they value. Yeah, I mean that, that's how these that's how these things move forward, right? There was a really cool parallel that I was talking with one of my classmates about um, on one of our discussion boards, and they were kind of looking at <clears throat> the parallel parallel between like uh, religion and sin, and how sins can happen, and they can either define you or not define you, whatever the case is. And the parallel between like um, social media and like previous posts, and how like, people like you can have someone who was an adulterer and they can be a, they have done it in the past, and even though they've you know atoned for their sins, they are still an adulterer. Mm-hmm. The same concept of like someone who tweeted something that's no longer favorable opinion in social media back in like two thousand eight or nine or whatever, um, and then now it's getting drug up and it's ruining their careers and kind of like that same parallel between that kind of same idea of what fits with the culture. Really, really interesting post. I, I'm not doing it justice. He went into way more detail than I no, did. No, I think that leads to an interesting place, which is how unequipped uh, kind of non-technological generations are for that kind of um, like structural honesty. Yeah. As you can see, it's like it's ruining a lot of careers. Definitely. Uh, what, like using a social media platform to vent yeah, as or if it's, it, as if it's it, anonymous. Yeah. But with their name attached to it. Well, I mean, there's yeah. a meme right now, a big meme with the, the cat meme, where the cat has a little tuna in its mouth or whatever. The, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The anchovy, and then the, there's another the one where the cat's... The, yeah. That's a good meme. Yeah, it is a good meme. But I mean, that's even part of the... part of the meme culture now, you know? Yeah. And you could argue that that... I mean, you could argue what kind of parallel that has to, you know, being virtuous and your morality and... I mean, that's was the thing about the internet is like the internet is a really good reflection of what we're talking about. Is like when you have a anonymous anonymous screen name, right, and you think that no one's going to know who you are. What are you going to say to somebody? You know? yeah. Do you think that because our generation, especially the generation after us, what, what are we called? Are we a generation? Millennials, millennials, I think. I think the generation behind us is Z. Right. Well, so as millennials, Z. are we yeah. more uh, conscious of our kind of our presence. What do you mean by presence? I think so. Well, I mean, I guess we're the first ones to really have a, a, a social presence. Well, what's this. really interesting is we're one of the only uh, generations that knows the difference between having and not having the internet. Like, truly, like, through that grow-up period, you know, like, in our influential period of our life. Meaning, like, okay, so, like, our parents' generations, like, sure, they didn't have the internet for a long time. The internet happened. But, like, the internet is our life 
Like I, you take away the phone of most people in America, and their life will fall apart. They can't do anything. Well, even with school, most of the school homework is done online now. A lot of the yeah, a lot of the elementary schools and like middle schools use laptops. Crazy, you know how bad that is for development. New ethics, though. I mean, that means there's gonna be some questions that we have to address in our lifetime that our parents never had to face. Yeah. I feel like an evil genius, like to sit here in my lap and. He's cute. He's sweet sometimes. Sometimes. He just needs his alone time. He needs yeah. to be separated for a bit. Yeah. Recharge. Seems like they're doing all right. But yeah, I think... Um, We're talking about the dogs in the house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you listen to this... Nick is here. currently coddling uh, my smallest dog, like uh, Mr. Evil. <laughs> While the other dogs are outside playing. Hopefully neither one of them is, is like, killed. They're fine. It's Doctor Evil. But um, yeah, I think, I think my biggest concern with the uh, electronic and internet boom mm-hmm. that is happening with the generation beneath us is the fact that most of them play. Uh, I should say most of them will be more likely logged into their computers longer than they will be socializing in a more organic environment with each other. You think so? I think so. And I think with us being social creatures, that's going to kind of change how those kids grow up and develop and then interact with each other in the future. Like, what do you think will happen? Like, I wonder, and I don't have a developed opinion on this, but I wonder if it's not just a shift of, of medium. Like, you know, it used to be we had to go and talk to people. Now we, we interface kind of tangentially. But I think it, it might still be scratching that same human itch. And I wonder if it won't have a, a huge effect at all. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that's probably naive. We, we should probably prepare for it to have a larger effect. Some sort of shift. I mean, I know, like, because I used to work at the pharmacy, and I filled more... Um, antidepressant medications for small children than anything else. And I wonder if that's a, a shift in, in diagnosing or if that's a shift in uh, in actual childhood depression rates because that, that yeah. seems like I mean, how many kids are would be depressed traditionally? It seems strange. Well, and what would cause what would cause a kid to be depressed like that? Well, I like know. Like a lack of social interaction? Or well, too I, much? the issue that like when I was working with those doing therapy with those kids one of the issues that we'd see is um, too much uh, interaction with screen time and too much interaction with um, like standard traditional teaching like schooling mm-hmm. um, what that does mm-hmm. is that um, highly in, and like inflates their left brain to start growing and interacting quicker mm-hmm. so like if you put a screen in front of like a kid's face like a three-year-old's face or whatever that left brain is just going to start lighting up like crazy mm-hmm. it was crazy in the first I don't know how how I think like the first year or two of a kid's life, the right brain is just really growing because he's learning interaction, learning body language, yeah. learning communication, trying to differentiate between its mom and its environment. And so you, if you have that part of the brain that's supposed to be growing at that time, and you switch it to like, uh, no, now we're learning math. Now I'm going to put this YouTube screen in front of your face. Now you know. Uh, it really messes up development. So you have all these kids who have autistic symptoms when they're not autistic. It's just their left brain is so much stronger than their right brain for the, the age that they're at. Right. And so then that, that kind of shows like depression because these kids are like not socializing and they don't know how to socialize. And then because of phones and the internet and stuff like that, they don't ever get around other kids yeah. to learn what socialization is and what it looks like and how you should act. Right. Well, what about the kind of the false pictures that are put out there by uh, these social medias. So like when, when I post on Instagram, I'm not posting like like my low moments. I'm gonna post me at my best. Yeah. And sure. so when they're looking at other people their age, they're gonna see like high level athletes. Or, the highlights. Yeah, or, or musicians. Yeah. And they're and they're like fourteen but they're already feeling like they've they failed. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that's going to kind of bolster them and be like a boon in the future and just kinda of be tough for them now. Or if that's gonna set them back in development? I think, I mean, in my opinion, the same water that softens the potato, 
What is it? That's the same right? water that softens the potato, boils the egg, hardens, hardens the egg. Softens the egg. Same water that softens the potato, hardens the egg. You can have some. Which water did you use on the eggs? Did you use the hardened water or the softened water? They're falling apart. Bottom line is, if you have that innate, inherent. How long did you boil them for? At least an hour. Yeah, so it'll happen on both ends. It'll happen on both ends. Some will, some will get better because of it, and some will be worse off. Some will be like inspired and go, "Yeah, I could do that." You know what? I'm gonna do that even better than this person. And someone will go, "Oh man, I could never do anything like that. I'll just quit while I'm ahead." Um. So, but I think it just depends on their perspective. I, think. I guess either perspective or their innate. Well, you know, that's the Virtuosity. survival of the fittest kind of a thing, you know. Yeah. Um, that's just that's just one of those things where there's always going to be one way. And see, that's, you know, I know that this is funny that I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm going to break this up. But, you know, talking about the PUA stuff earlier before mm-hmm. we started recording, you know, the, the let's, big... Let's, let's address what that is for people who don't know. It's, so it's a what is a PUA P, a PUA from what I gather is a pickup artist and so basically what that means is it is social dynamics and is creating and building rapport with someone as quickly as possible for the means of some type of whatever so in the, in the context of pickup artists it's you're trying to pick up the whichever gender as quickly as possible so that you can whatever you know yeah just whatever yeah whatever you it, know, there's nothing the creepy or weird about it yeah there's all. nothing weird about it at all it's actually really it's a really common thing especially for guys who have it's really common for guys who don't have a lot of um, confidence but what their whole model and their philosophy behind that is is um, because we're in such a social context and we live in a social world and this, this, well for like first world people like mm-hmm. Americans for example all of our needs are met. I mean, even people who are poor, they still have some way to find food. They still have some place to sleep. Like, there's, it's not like we're, you know, going to be hungry for the next three days in a row. So, what they say is life now for first world people, especially in America, is survival of the smoothest, not survival of the fittest. So, who can be the best in a social context? How can you establish yourself? Establish yourself in a way. Where Are we talking about can, like the new? dimension of evolution now yeah that's, so, that's, what I'm, yeah. that's what I'm talking about so it's like you know just like what you were saying right where like the, the same water that softens the potato hardens egg kind of a thing where yeah. it's like well how can you as a person now that social media has gotten into the world right and that's the world you have to live in how well can you adapt to the social environment and how okay. well can you fit yourself in which is why going back to the kids which is why if you if you now have a society where your new alpha is now the smooth talker, the silver tongue, how can kids who have kind of like been left in the development cycle by an overactive left brain, now they don't know how to socially interact with each other, and now in order to fit in with society, you have to be you have to be the king of socialization. You have to know. Well, no, yeah, you have to I be able to read mo- body language. You have to be able to say the right thing, look the right way. That's so high stress. And now these kids don't know how to do that. You know how you do that? Well, to raise the, the stakes. No, so the way that the culture shifts for that, this is something that I've been studying in class too, the way that the culture shifts for that is they shift where the industry and commerce shifts in the favor of those things so you have people who have nothing to produce except for their ability to socialize and they're on top like you're saying right influencers influencers and then you also have the people who have no ability to influence whatsoever but they're really good at math and they're really good at engineering and they're really good at robotics so you have this cultural shift and this divide of are you going to be in charge of the machine like creating the machines are you going to be in charge of Influencing people to use the machines, and now that's the shift. Well, I mean, I think if, if we follow this as the new direction evolution is taking, because mm-hmm. it's no longer like you're the strongest, you get the most food. No. Um, it so now it is a, it's a it's a social dimension, and we have to decide, you know, in in terms of values, what kind of people we want to produce, and and we can do that by kind of as we raise kids which probably eventually will uh, you gotta decide 
are we going to teach them to value uh, the intellect? Are we going to teach them to value, you know, what are they going to value and look for in, in other people? Yeah. And that's in no small way going to shift the, the well, the what, what do you think would be, well, not to pitch off, but what do you think would be the most important thing? So like if you had, if, so say like, you know, there's a kid, boom, and someone told you, hey, I need you to choose one aspect or one whatever that you can influence them on and focus on the most, whether it's like you need to be the most smartest person, the most smartest, the smartest person in the room, or you need to be the strongest person, or you need to be the most well-read. Like if you were to pick one of those, just one, that it was like whatever you do in life, you have the best morals. Even if no one's watching, you don't steal that money. Like which one would you choose to influence that kid the most? I think it has to be the kid's choice. I know, you know, as a child, you don't really know, like, the full weight of your choices, but I think if you really, if, you know, in order to really get the most out of something like this, then in order to really make an impact on the child, you would have to, first of all, raise it in such a way where you can actually talk to your child like this and not yeah. have to do baby talk to them. Yeah. But also, like yeah, but also, you know, have it be like, have it be their decision, their decision. Because if if they know that it's a choice that they made, not only will you have to influence them as much, mm. but they'll want to go and get it. Well, they'll what's want stop to them do from it. Deciding they want to play video games all day. You will. Um, as a parent. Yeah, I don't That's think you where, can give them too much. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, though. So, and this is where I'm going to circle back to what I said. So, kids are more or less like a tabula rasa, right? So, they're just kind of going into it and they just are like, okay, what do I do now? And they're just kind of looking at you for an answer, <laughs> yeah. right? They're just like, I don't know. What do I do? And so, you have to model that based off yeah. the way that you live your life. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I don't, well, it's just like that Joe Rogan podcast with Dr. Phil when he was talking about you have to learn what your lane is by failing in all the other aspects. And if you don't learn what that is, then... How are you going to be happy? Plinko, right? Exactly, yeah. Like, you have to screw up a whole bunch of times. Yeah. So you would have to know... You would have to know what you're good at and what your lane is so that you are established enough in your identity for your kid to watch you and be like, hey, I like how strong and staunch they are in their beliefs. Now I can be strong in my beliefs because my parents are not wavering, so I'm not going to be wavering. How can you expect your kids to be better than you if you don't hold yourself to a high standard to begin with. You should expect your kids to be better than you. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Uh, you ask what virtue you would pass along to a kid, you could pick one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a training. Like being able to train effectively. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean training in any specific things. You can train to be a, a, a penist or a, <laughs> uh, you can train to be a <laughs> <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's the funniest term. Pianist. No, pianist? It, it's, it's penist. Penist? Yeah. Oh, God. Penis. A piano no, no, no. player. Okay, you could train to be a piano player. You could train to be an athlete. You could train to be a mathematician. Uh, the idea behind training, though, is that you are good at building yourself. So would that also... So would that be synonymous to discipline? That, yeah, I would say that's synonymous to... Discipline with the, the hyphen, like the ability to, to critically look at yourself. Mm. Because that's vital for training yeah. is to be able to, to look at where you are or yeah. where you have been. I like that. I think if you can instill that in kids, so you really can't throw them so the, My follow-up question with that is, how would you do that? Carefully. <laughs> monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, how yeah. would you do that? I mean, yeah. You would have to also, you would have to be the model of self-discipline. And you would also have to explain to your child using adult language because that's the only way that they'd be able to understand what's worse you have to talk to kids the, that yeah. sort of the depth because yeah. if you use this is something that it really it's one of my pet peeves when people use baby talk with seven-year-olds it's like they are they're cognizant enough to listen to what you're saying and understand you just have back. to you just have to speak a little bit slower and just use like four-letter words but if you really yeah. sit down and explain it they can they can get the under the gist of it but something yeah. as deep as self-discipline, you would really have to, you would it's have to be behavior. the model. Yeah. You would have to be well, their model. Do you know how we teach AI things? Do you know how we, how we do that? Programming. We don't program them, because that, that kind of defeats the point of yeah. computer learning. 
if, if we programmed every behavior in, we walk them through things as we would do them. Mm. And then over repetition, they learn to do those things like we do, themselves, yeah. but better. Mm. Uh, so we'll feed it uh, a thousand pieces of music and then it'll spit out its own. Mm. And so yeah, I think it's the same thing. Like We have to yeah. feed them what we want them to produce. Like yeah. that, uh, like there's a there's an AI where it reads like a thousand commercial scripts and then it makes its own commercial <laughs> script. I love those. Whoa. But uh, to kind of go back to what you're saying, so we'll talk about like baby talk with kids. Yeah. So most people, and I, forg- I forgot what it was, but most people will speak to a child, especially if you know exactly how old the kid is. A child. <laughs> most most people will speak to a child about. No, so what they'll do is they'll take whatever reading level that that kid should be at, and you don't even realize you're doing this, and you'll speak just one grade above it. Because we've all gone through school. We all understand the different levels of reading. Like, oh, what, what grade are they in? Oh, they're in first grade. Immediately, subconsciously, you understand more or less what kind of language they're learning. And so if you speak to them, you'll use words that are in a second, third grade level, and you won't even realize you're doing it. My question is, if, if they're going to parrot what we do, and kind of spit out like the average of what we, we walk them through, how do we make them better than we are? Because then that's the goal, you want your kid to be better than You teach them how to train. And you teach them that they need to be doing more than you're doing, and you set that standard. And you're like, if, if I am doing this, go ahead, what are you gonna say? No, finish your thought. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, like, if I do this, and this is something that you, you model after me, and you see that I'm doing, then when you're my age, you should be this much further along than I am. And just to play off that, I think it's really important to encourage your kids um, to do things. I know a lot of, I know and I see a lot of parents kind of put limits on their children and make them feel bad for doing things better than what they did. That's the worst. Um, I know a lot of, like, high school is a great example. You know, you have the dad who you know, has their son in high school and they're on the football team or the weightlifting team or wrestling or swim or whatever and the dad's coaching and, you know, the whole time it's just like trying to make him, make his son feel worse. vicariously through Yeah, them. exactly. Oh, yeah. I think it's like super aggressive. Yes. Like, you need to be good at sports now. Yeah, like, yeah. just, I think well, it's really important. I mean, it doesn't even have to be sports. It could be you know, in school, you know, it could be getting the wrong grades, or it could be, you know, making a mistake with your girlfriend, or just like Well, so where's the line between saying, like, you know, what does this kid want to do, and telling them, like, you need to push yourself in this? Like, where do we find that kind of middle ground? Because well, yeah. I think if a kid has their way, they will play Fortnite and just fuck off all day. Uh, but if you tell a kid you're going to be the best penis in the whole world <laughs> uh, they're not going to be super jazzed about that either they're not they're going to be resentful because you th- force them to yeah I think something like that might help because the teenage years they're going to when you're 18 the brain will naturally think that it knows everything it's just part of development yeah and so I think setting those goals Setting that like standard, setting that moral compass is vital if you do it early in life. Um, if the the kids see you kind of doing, you know, being super, very disciplined, being very virtuous as a young child, it'll help. It'll help in the future. I'm sorry, <laughs> like... I was thinking about the potato and the egg again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the same body that hardens the potato. <laughs> You're thinking you like you peel the shell off the potato and you crack it open. <laughs> Wet potato yolk. I'm sorry. It's already mashed on the inside. So would that be like the yolk would it be like a sweet early. potato, right? If it, that was the case, the yolk is the yolk would be like potato. sweet potato, oh, and then butter. the rest of it would be oh. it's butter. It makes its own butter. Just they're fine. No, it's just Murphy trying to protect. Boy. Yeah. That the, were okay. Murphy and Little Mama are two dogs. There. In, in context but yeah I think it just needs to start early yeah, you know a lot of it has to do with so I, I, I think one way that you can learn what a kid likes is first of all again talking to them like they're an adult Yeah. straight up just asking them what do you like doing because yeah sure playing, playing video games and that kind of stuff is great but playing video games has the same kind of, kind of 
context or connotation of taking drugs where you most of the time people do it in a way to get out of their environment. So if you're addicted to something, you're doing it so you can remove yourself from some other type of pain. It's a, it's a kind of a common place, right? So if you have a kid who's just like, I love video games, I love video games, I'm always on the computer. It's like, what are you withdrawing yourself from? What, is, what do you not enjoy that you're throwing yourself into? Right? Like, does that say we give them a, a dopamine hit when they do something well, we tell them? Yeah. Well, it's a, like you say, uh, you must have worked really hard on that, not like you must be really good at that. Definitely, yeah. yeah. You, cannot, you can't say that in, someone's inherently good or bad at something. You have to tell them yeah. they worked well at it. Encouragement. I think it really is a powerful thing. Yeah. And I well, think a lot yeah. of people kind of, I think a lot of people misunderstand encouragement for like sugarcoating. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah. No, I had some experience with, uh, when I grew up, I was never pushed into sports. I was always like, I had the idea that I was just kind of like bad at sports. Like other people did sports when they were young and they were good at them. Yeah. And I didn't develop an idea until I was older. That it, it's it's more about really like grit than ability. Definitely. Definitely, yeah. And we gotta we gotta ingrain that. I think that's that's really important. Mm-hmm. So we gotta reward them for like working hard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's a teaching uh, delayed gratification, and so a really cool model that you can do that way for like teaching delayed gratification. Um, and this is something that I plan to use if I have kids. Is you set them up and you tell them. These are the tasks that need to get done, right? Chores, whatever it is, your homework, whatever it is. If you do those things, I will reward you and it's your choice. But you can't do these things. So like, do your homework. When we finish with your homework, you can choose whatever you wanna do for 30 minutes. But it can't be video games. It can't be this, can't be that. It can be you go out play with your friends or you can yeah. go play music or you can go but it can't be these escape things it has to be something else yeah and right. teaching that delayed gratification and then even then you're not rewarding them with that quick dopamine hit you're rewarding them with another task that is again delayed gratification so it's like hey for example like for me when i was a kid i'm gonna get my homework done and when i finish my homework then i'll spend an hour playing guitar and learning how to play guitar so not only was i using one delayed gratification task for right into another delayed gratification task Mm -hmm. but I was kind of teaching myself that it wasn't like quick dopamine you know it was like so what would you what do you do when like your kid like you set up all these activities for your kids like guitar is a great example what if you do if like your kid wanted to play guitar and then a couple months later is like now this is too hard I want to quit well that's how it's going to be though yeah you can't yeah. So how do you how do you deal with that? Well, first off, you start on piano because if you can play piano, you can play anything. Anything, yeah. That uh, is the Western instrument. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't I wasn't raised in that way. Like I, I started baseball, soccer, hockey, and when it was time to like play, I was like, oh, that's all right. Yeah. I, they bought me a drum set too. <laughs> oh, dude, I would have fucking rocked a drum set. Yeah. I wish I had a place to play drums. I never did. So I don't know. I have no experience with that. Um, I would say that's where it's important to have a conversation with your kid and really sit down and be like, hey, okay, you don't want to play anymore. Why don't you want to play anymore? What's wrong? Are you bored with it? Why are you bored with it? And then I think if the case is you figure out whatever the case is, right? Say that the kid's bored, right? Then I think it's up to you, and this is a lot of times you see this in in kids um, with like suicide issues and all kinds of stuff like that where it's like have a conversation with your kid. Be involved with their guitar playing. Know where they are in their learning process. And then when you see them getting bored or getting stumped, help them before they give up guitar. Mm, Instead right. of just letting them hit the wall and then give up on their own. Because willpower is a finite it's a finite resource. You can only give so much energy into your willpower, right? Well children have half the attention span that kids do or that, that adults do. So they have half the willpower that adults do. Well I guess you gotta teach them to establish too like are you bored with this or is it hard? Because, yeah. you know, if that's it's hard, you can't, yeah. that's, that's not a good enough reason. Like, yeah. Things are going to be hard yeah. and that's just, that's just too bad. So all this, I feel, comes back to being an involved parent. You can't just, yeah. you yeah, can't it. just kind of like leave your kid on the couch for 10 hours. Or let him let YouTube babysit him? Yeah. Have you seen that, that weird shit YouTube will pull up if you let if you, kids' videos play long enough? No. Oh, the, the Elsa Gate stuff. Elsa Gate stuff. Yeah, that's that so fucked. Weird. 
They got just like computer generated like the weirdest shit. What? It's like that on purpose. It's, it's to, yeah. yeah you, you dig deep into that. It's, it's fucking weird. I don't want to dig into that. It's super creepy. I mean, like unsettling. Yeah, but like little kids don't know what they're watching. And they just watch it. And it has all their favorite Disney characters in the video. Like the 3D videos. Yeah. You're talking about like the 3D worlds where the people's mouths are all wide open and they're all... But also, yeah, we we just have to to instill in them that difficulty is the goal. Like when something is hard, that's that's when they get the dopamine hit. They're like, okay, I've reached something that I have the honor of surpassing. Like, well, this is a gift that I, you know, I have. Yeah, and I think that um, kind of goes back to weightlifting and stuff, too. I, I really think that children need physical exercise, and because when they accomplish something difficult, you get that, you get that sense of accomplishment. You get that natural reward. You go, yeah, like, I actually did something, and that was really hard, but I did it. Well, well let's talk about weightlifting. I think kids would benefit from weightlifting specifically because... It's it's three movements, and you have to do that that shit over and over and mm-hmm. over and over, and if you don't find a way to make that rewarding for yourself, it's just gonna like it's gonna suck the whole time. Yeah. Like you you know just like with with learning to draw or yeah. being a big pianist, like you just pressing the keys over and over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I think that, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to hit this Jaden Smith quote? Let's do it. I think we're in a good spot. If you have a penis that's an arsonist, and you can say that your penis burns. <laughs> no, you're, you're a fire pianist. <laughs> no, I, fire heard one. See, see only, I can only remember one joke at a time. Oh, I think I lost it. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, what did you call a, uh, a deaf... No, no. A blind gynecologist. A lip reader. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god. god. That's a good one. I got, I got one for you too, actually. So, um, where do, where do bad triangles go? Where? Prism. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad. I got a ton. I have a ton of dad jokes. Right here. Uh, Jaden Smith quote. Uh, the moment the truth is organized, it becomes a lie. So, um, to, to bring up speed, anybody listening, on the last episode, we, uh, we hit a Jaden Smith quote, which on the surface had no, no value, uh, no, no real meaning, and we assigned it some meaning. I mean, and and I, I posit that you can do this with anything. I think so. So, the quote again, the moment that truth is organized, it becomes a lie. Mm. So what comes to mind when you hear that? Well, I mean, I immediately go to, this is where my Russell Brand inside me kind of comes out. (laughs) I immediately go to all the systems and how everything has... You think it's corrupt. It is. It totally is. He is on the right frequency. Is he the long hair? Yeah. Yes. He's the rock star. So, yeah, I immediately think that truth is something that is innate and almost... Um, existential Mm -hmm. and I think whenever you try to systematically organize something like that it loses its true value it loses its truth when you try to organize truth it loses itself it takes on too much humanity it does when I hear this I think of that that quote uh, the revolution will be televised Uh, I think it's the opposite though I think it will not be televised Uh, it's just like uh, was it MySpace MySpace was hot, and then it became popular, and culture shifted, and then it was Facebook, and um, and it's always going to be like that. So as, as as soon as the the truth starts to like be really obvious, yeah. it just slips out. It's like grabbing smoke. Mm. Yeah. I think that so. that's a great quote. I think so. Thoughts? Um, I'm gonna bring it home. Yeah. So there's a. There's a psychologist, um, Winnicott, I think it's like W.D. Winnicott or something. He was a kind of like a, I don't know if you know who Jean Piaget is. Uh, he was just like a child, child, a child uh, developmental psychologist. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so one of the things he was saying, talking about kind of relating to that and even to virtue, 
is he says, uh, one of the quotes, I'm probably going to ruin it, but he was like, um, reaction is the destruction of being, and there is no being without reaction. It's like... So how does that... So, you can have truth, and truth can be being, and it can exist because it's truthful. And then as soon as you try to organize those things, like you were saying, and you try to react and put those things in a way that you can understand them, mm. the process of organizing them yeah. destroys it. Yeah. And it makes it it's, not... It's the uncertainty principle. Exactly. Yeah. It's you can know how fast it is, but you can't know where it is, or you can know where it is and not know how fast it is. Yeah. Exactly. You can't know both. Yeah. And so you can't see truth and hold it. Right. You know, yeah. I think... I've thought this for a while, is that the closest you'll ever get to, to knowing something, to knowing the truth, is through metaphor, through analogy. And I think that's just that's just brushing. It's like tangential. I don't think we'll ever... It's like um, the, the moment that the, the, the novice becomes a master is the moment they realize they know nothing. Right? Right. Yeah. Right. No, I think that that's perfect. Uh... Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good talk, man. Good talk. Yeah. Uh, man, I. It's funny how we kind of tackled that so quickly. It was just kind of like, yep, he's right. That's yeah. it. Well, it's funny it's, how it came together because I mean we were kind of all over the place, but it all followed well, the it, same thing. Yeah, yeah, it circled back because it, after what you just said, well, um, I forgot the quote. But the weightlifting one where he's like, you have to do everything. Think of it like sex. You have to do everything besides penetration. Yeah. You can't know everything all at once. <laughs> it's a funny straight. quote, you though, right? You can't go straight to it. You can't, you can't just go. you got to work on all the different There's aspects levels. of it. There's levels to Could it. Because it's to the shit, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's the potato. <laughs> You're still thinking it's potato. <laughs> Cracking open a... Poached potato with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on over, we're having poached potatoes. <laughs> Mashed eggs. Mashed <laughs> 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 Oh, we gotta stop recording. Wait, wait, stop, stop, stop. Oh, uh, Let's just keep recording and then we can edit the rest of it out. Oh, yeah. Or uh, we can leave it. So y'all didn't, y'all didn't want a tiny pie? I, I really do want a tiny pie, especially with this, but I don't know what's in that. What is it? What is it? Uh, okay, this one. Maybe we can split one. Yeah, we can split one. I was, one I was is, looking at those the whole time. Pies? Brownie and uh, pecan pie. Uh, dude, uh, what the fuck? And this one is coconut cream. You already know. I want the brownie pecan. Brownie pecan. Yeah. Is it, is it, it's in one? It's mm-hmm. all of that in one? Yeah. You want to split one? Yeah, let's do it. We can show up. Are we uh, done talking? Uh, oh, we need to record a call to action. Oh, a call to action? Yeah, I'm going to pause it, okay? Yeah.